Hello and welcome to One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide business leaders with the latest commentary on evolving business and economic news that impacts healthcare, business, and the workplace. In each episode, our One Digital advisors will be addressing evolving coronavirus situations, translating them for employers so they can be proactive for their organizations and develop their business planning strategies. Welcome to today's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Session. My name is Camry Blazing, and I'm the Managing Principal, One Digital Atlanta. Before we begin, on behalf of the more than 2,000 employees of One Digital, I want you to know how much we truly appreciate the time and energy you're investing with us today. These are challenging times for all of us, and we know that your time is at a premium. Our thoughts and prayers are with you and your families. Together, we have an opportunity to alleviate some of this uncertainty for your employees and your business. As a company, we believe that one of our most important responsibilities is to help you and your organization navigate this unprecedented crisis. Please keep in mind, the questions specific to state laws are best directed to your one digital consultant as regulations vary by state and are changing rapidly. Also, in response to customer feedback and interest on the ongoing series, the COVID-19 employer advisory sessions are now offered as an on-demand experience. No more waiting for live sessions twice a week. Now you'll have access to information and guidance translated by One Digital Thought Leaders in response to the latest developments on an ongoing basis. Now to our panelists. Please welcome Mikkel Schutz, National Director of Strategic Analytics, and Bob Simeon, One Digital Principal, New York, New Jersey. Today, we will discuss One Digital's COVID-19 Health Plan Cost Impact Tool and the impact forecasting can have on your business. While many employers are aware of the estimated 900 billion in potential national economic implications from COVID-19, most are uncertain of how this will impact their own health plan costs. Employers have lacked the tools and forecasting ability in terms of the frequency and severity of COVID-19 on their own workforce. Our proprietary cost impact tool equips employers with the potential financial impact of COVID-19 on your employee health plans, allowing us to more effectively plan mitigation strategies. So let's begin. Bob, let's start with you. Why is this important? Just in terms of planning, how will our clients benefit from the financial model? Cameron, I think it's important to note also that businesses right now are faced with a lot of uncertainty in these turbulent times. Uh, If we really think about it, they're navigating the stimulus package. They're working on their financial constraints and and how their businesses have been impacted by COVID. Um, They're really implementing new business plans every single day. So what this model aims to do is to quantify what the business impact will be in a number of different areas we'll discuss today, uh, including how it will affect the company health plan and those costs. really looking to create insights into actionable data is important. And the tool you'll see will be able to model not just the pandemic risk, but also the business constraints and the continuity planning as well. Uh, Businesses, got to keep in mind, are really deciphering every single day what it will take to not only survive in the environment, but to also thrive in their businesses. That makes perfect sense. And I think for so many employers trying to decide, um, you know, just uh, to what level they should be concerned, right? And how they should be preparing their own businesses. Um, it's really hard. It's really hard to kind of unpack um, 
based on, you know, the, the rapidly shifting news, what the impact would be on your business without this kind of information. Right. Yeah, Macau, one of the questions that um, we have gotten, obviously, in sharing this information with some of our employer partners um, is, you know, what's behind this? How does it work? You know, you're, you're pining through, I know, so much information to help bring uh, really actionable information to our clients. So um, tell us a little bit about, you know, um, about what it is that you do and how this um, model was built in terms of the model itself and the sources behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Camry. So I'm the strategic director of um, all of national analytics for One Digital. Uh, so we have a, a shop of actuaries. I am one of them. Um, and we facilitate and come up with best practices and strategic initiatives and modeling and then roll it out all through the regions and all of our local analysts. Um, so when I first started looking at this information and this data, believe it or not, it actually didn't even start off as a business project. It started off as what I call a passion project. So being by nature of an actuary, I love numbers, I love data. And what happened is I saw what was going on in China and Italy. It started hitting the news. And so I started looking at that data just on the side. And as the data started to materialize in those areas, and then I saw the virus starting to move into the United States, I quickly realized that the passion project and the numbers that I was crunching off to the side is something that I thought One Digital really needed to put our national analytics team onto it and the resources to help ourselves and then our clients better understand the model and virus and the path that it's taking. Uh, so a week later, after I went to senior leadership and asked if we should move forward on this, um, we have a model. Uh, so we are beta testing it within a week after putting in about 135 hours of intense work to get us there. Um, went through a whole variety of different data sources. Obviously, since I was in touch with the project for a long time before it even hit the United States, I was able to see and understand which data sources were the most credible, um, looked at things like pneumonia historic costs to project the severity of the project, um, looked at frequency um, around first started off at the frequency issues is what, what was coming out of China and then moved over to the Europe. Um, and then as soon as it started coming up with some numbers that were credible in the United States, I switched to those. So the majority of my sources are all publicly held sources like the CDC, the Kaiser Family Foundation, the World Health Organization, the CIA, CMS, um, MEPS, the Hiccup database, a bunch of state websites, Science Direct was one of my big ones that I used a lot, and many, many more. So all fully credible, very much vetted information. What I was able to see as I started looking at the trends and the patterns and the data that was coming out, um, spent hundreds of hours just researching all of this, is that there were really four key pieces of information that at least at first look like there's something that have a credible, um, consistent theme into actually impacting the frequency and the severity of the infection rate, as well as the hospitalization rate. And so those key correlating factors that we are able to find out are age, so the age of the adult or the person, their gender, uh, the geography, the, the state, the county in which they live. And then, of course, the industry in which they're located in. And so all of those factors, usually from an actuarial perspective, have a direct correlation to rating methodology. So I'm not saying anything new by any stretch. But what's changed in our modeling is we've taken it away from a traditional actuarial rating methodology and turned all of our inputs and normalized them all to the COVID world. 
So when I say industry, it's not that typical industry load that gets put on by insurance carriers. Instead, it's industry in the COVID environment, in the rapidly changing world in which we exist. Yeah, that's interesting. And I know we've had the opportunity and you have uh, to look at a large number of um, these client analyses by this point and uh, to yeah. really look at what's happening in the trends, both in your source data um, over the last few weeks and in, you know, in our client outputs. And I'm just interested to know, you know, when you look at the trends in the data, what are you seeing and what's, what's been surprising to you or what's been confirming in the forecasts? Yeah, so nightly, my team and I pour over all the results from the most recent information that's come off of the presses and the statistics and the data and look at all of that. And I think what's been most amazing to me and what I've been very happy to see is the flattening of the curve. So we talk about, you know, how we socially distance and how we're doing things within our own communities to flatten that curve. It's become a very popular phrase. And what's really been interesting to me is as I've been seeing it trending over the past five to six days, Again, it's a short period of time, and I don't like to draw conclusions based on very short times, but this really is a different world in which we live in today, and we have to take that into consideration. And so we are actually seeing this flattening or this, you know, leveling off. And it's not to say that the, the infection rate or the deaths or anything are trivial, and it's not to say that they have been all of a sudden taken care of, because it's not like that. It's just that what, what happened initially is I was using kinetic gas models with the infection rate to model out the expected curve. So that's very important. I looked at all the numbers and I said, where do we think that this is going? And so I have a projection that I've been using for quite a while. And what we're seeing is that as the data starts to come in, we're actually seeing instead of the curve like I've expected it, which looks a lot like this, and I've drawn out, instead it's more starting to taper off a little bit and it's not taking quite as much of a peak. So that's actually really been um, good for me to see and important to see that all of the actions that we in the United States and within our communities and within our families and our friends are doing and the sacrifices that we're making are starting to pay off in the numbers and we're really starting to see it. Sure. That's fantastic. It's really interesting, I think, because in the model, it's looking at the predictive nature of, of where these curves are. And it's good to hear that yeah. there's some flattening going on. But, you know, really, I think it's interesting over the last couple of weeks how the CDC came out and released a new uh, ICD code yeah. for COVID. And I, I think it's important yeah. to note as well that, you know, at least if I'm thinking about hospitals, especially here in New York, how they're so inundated. I think the last thing on their mind right now is using the right appropriate billing code. So mm -hmm. I think it's really important that as we look at the pieces, I know how we're looking at the data and looking at different diagnoses, you know, maybe even pneumonia or, or people or procedure codes yeah. that'll be more reflective of COVID, even if the actual code isn't appropriate. And this is certainly, I think, not front of mind for the, for the hospital staff right now, but I'm, I'm interested in the model how it really is going to look at those incidents and watch these curves so businesses can help make decisions about what their next steps will be as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, what we've been starting to do is we initially base, so there's two key elements, all the stuff that I was talking about before that has a high correlation, our age, our gender, industry, all of that. They have a high correlation to both frequency, the number of visits and the number of infection rates, and then severity. So if you wind up getting infected and you wind up having to go into the hospital, what does that cost dollar cost you? And so that's the last piece I feel like that we're getting that information on is if we based it in the model, for example, like you said, based it on pneumonia. So no other data has really come out to say how different is a COVID 
um, it, it, critical care basically than a pneumonia critical care. But what we are getting information on is the length of stay. So mm -hmm. that's really important. So the length of stay has extended. And so that's where we're going back in and refreshing some of our forecasts to say, all right, if the people who are in critical care, because we have them broken out separately, non-critical, critical, if their stays are longer, then we need to adjust our initial assumptions to account for that as well. But it, it is very interesting world and it's so rapidly changing too. Yeah, my head goes to that as well as even what you just said about the length yep. of stays as far as an employer and thinking oh, yeah. about things like absenteeism. Yep. So really interesting. And I think, yeah, Bobby, absolutely. you make a good point that um, with the ICD codes for COVID being new, um, and I do think a delay in billing on some of these charges, it is interesting to see that the COVID costs have largely not hit health plans, even if uh, claims have been incurred, right? They right. certainly haven't, you know, been um, processed and paid. And so right. one of the things that I know um, Mikkel and her team and the rest of us will continue to keep an eye on is are the pneumonia costs and the, you know, the corollary costs that we're using to compare, do those bear out as we start to see those those claims, actual claims coming through? That's right. Yeah, we're definitely going to keep a pulse on that as far as the national team. It's very, very important to us because it's got a, a, a number of different impacts, whether you're full insured, self-funded, your IBNRs, your cash flow, all of that. And especially when it comes time for renewals. I mean, we'll, it's it's amazing where we've started thinking about we're going to need to go from a, a perspective of supporting, you know, the team here in One Digital as we roll out and look at these future future forecasting, basically, and what we're going to have to tweak internally. Right. So what we're able to do is we can take a specific employer census, we can feed this into the modeling tool, and we can look at specific um, county level geography, we look at, um, you know, their age distributions, their, you know, um, male to female population, the industry they're, they're in, we take all of the data that is pertinent to the model, and that comes out and projects for that employer uh, a range of projected cost, as well as ranges around productivity and absenteeism um, specific to them, right? And obviously that model can yeah. be updated with frequency, right? To keep as uh, yeah. as the data changes by geography or, you know, nationally to keep the, the pulse current on what they're forecasting. So I think, you know, Bob, when you think about, you know, kind of put your, you know, consulting hat on and think about how we will use the data, um, you know, when we think about the immediate benefits of that kind of information, what are you doing with your customers in your market related to using um, these budgets and forecasts on more of a short-term basis? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great implications of this. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, Camry, you know, really looking at it short-term and long-term. Um, but first, starting at the short-term, there's really three components that we're looking at with clients. You know, number one, this pandemic risk. What's going to happen? What's going to happen with the population? And the tool really ties together demographics, industry, uh, geographics to figure out that pandemic risk. Then quickly measuring plan risk. So, you know, I, I'm as interested as are our clients in what will this do to our health plan? How is this going to impact with cost? Do we have to change our budget? Uh, you know, we're a self-funded plan or an experience-rated fully insured plan or level-funded or how will this impact my immediate funding and do I need to take any action right now to account for this? Um, we'll talk a little bit about, I'm sure, some of the pieces where we're not seeing some claims hit right now as nobody's going to a dentist right now or, or mm -hmm. nobody's getting that elective procedure right now. But really on the short term, 
besides just the plan and the incidents, really that business continuity planning and making sure that's appropriate as well. So this concept of absenteeism with a model will look and say, well, we expect to have this many people that might be infected, showing symptoms in the hospital and in intensive care. How is that going to impact the business day-to-day operations as well? And then really tying this all back together on the short term to make sure that the measured responses are appropriate. You know, clearly if it's a business looking and saying our risk is going to be X, are we making the right decisions with our plan? Are we need to modify our plan, modify our workforce? How do we weave in some of the new laws like the CARES Act for, for support? or financial support, um, or is it inappropriate as to have to go further or maybe going too far? You know, maybe a business is looking to make some draconian changes that don't need to be made because of the model. So certainly on the short term, I think that right size fit to predictively model what will likely happen in the business, the health plan, and the employee productivity as well to keep that business continuity intact. Yeah, I totally agree. I would say this, you know, the CFO partners and the business leaders that we're talking to in uh, in the Atlanta market, I'm sure very similar to, you know, the New York, New Jersey market, they are, you know, first looking at, do I need to reforecast my budget, right? Is there something that uh, I need to be thinking about in updating my budget for the year, my reserves? And I think some of them have candidly been, and I certainly am not trying to speak for, you know, what the model outcome would be for every employer, but I know some of them have been pleasantly surprised that the at least health plan impact of COVID, right, the, the impact on their health yeah. plan expenditures may be less than they had feared. Yeah. So I think really having the information can be very empowering to say, is there something that I need to do to manage my health plan environment differently, or does this look like something that is a somewhat uh, manageable risk? Certainly the impacts on other areas of the business, you know, need to be considered, but um, I think definitely the reforecasting of budgets and uh, from the health plan perspective has been, you know, really step number one That's great and one. thinking and thinking through, you know, for our, for our folks, um, you know, uh, just having a real feel for what this may look like within their population. Right. Absolutely. So when we pivot to thinking long term, right, so we've got the immediate needs in front of, um, you know, the business continuity and health planning and, you know, uh, health program planning, cost planning. Uh, we're also thinking a lot, and I think we've had some really interesting conversations amongst the three of us about what's going to happen at renewal, right? And when we think about, you know, a lot of our yeah. customers are January 1 business, and uh, I know we have uh, our own, um, you know, thoughts about what this might mean, both fully insured and self-funded for renewal. So I'd love to hear, um, you know, from both of you kind of thoughts and, and projections around um one, how this could be a benefit in renewal negotiations, but what what might happen at renewal that we need to keep an eye on? Sure, sure. No, it's definitely all, all good forward-thinking thoughts. And you know, certainly it, we've had some feedback from clients in the last several weeks and saying, yeah, our claims are starting to drop off a little bit. And I think as that lag occurs, we're going to start to see some months of claims that maybe are a little bit softer until the COVID claims continue to catch up a little bit because no one's really leaving their home. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly no one's going for just some of the routine care. Um, But I I really think, you know, this, this concept we're calling almost shock and awe. You know, one of the concerns we have in the insurance community and our role as consultants in this is really quantifying what is the real risk? What actually do we think is going to happen? And measuring it once it happens accurately and figuring mm-hmm. out, is this just going to be a 
you know, for lack of a better term, an excuse that says, oh, a whole bunch of claims going on. The trends nationally are going to be really much higher than we've been seeing over the last several years. Um, we're looking to quantify that and see if, how that holds true. And then really looking at this piece come to renewal and say, all right, maybe there were some more incidents of claims for a particular group, maybe a self-funded group. We're going to look and we're, we're studying the stop loss and all the various pieces. But was it completely offset? by mitigation of other claims that aren't there. So we're looking longer term and saying, how do we make sure that the renewals, whether it be fully insured or stop loss and ASO renewals, that they're appropriate, that it's not just taking this shock and awe concept of everything is just really spiraling and, and it'll be a, a, an excuse for an insurance company um, or collectively to say we really need much higher trends to, to impact that. So we're looking really hard at that as the year goes on to predict, but then also measure quite a bit retrospectively to see what actually transpired. Mm -hmm. Mikhail, what are your thoughts yeah, from on it? Yeah, from a, from a national data perspective, um, we're very fortunate that because of our breadth and depth and our size and everything, we actually get a lot of data coming through um, our national team. And so we actually have started already having conversations with some of our uh, trusted data sources, whether they're the carriers or whether they're our, our partners. Um, and really starting to identify what we need to look at as far as leading indicators. So the leading indicators will be things that will, you know, we've been talking a lot about curves. Well, there's going to be a curve or a V-shape or whatever you want to call it in the claims themselves, where the claims coming in, they are decreasing, they're decreasing, they're decreasing because of the lack of utilization like Bob was talking about. And then all of a sudden the COVID claims hit as well as the procedures happening over here. So the question is where on this V-shape or this curve, is the renewal going to hit? And so we're trying to identify what the leading indicators are going to be as far as the claims are concerned, what they look like, what the utilization patterns are, what the expectations are. And so we're actually going to be trying to figure out ways to really look at renewals differently. I think that's going to be the key thing. So 1-1 one, one renewal is going to be completely different than a 3-1, than a 5-1, than even a, you know, before that happening because of the experience period that we have in there. And so what we're already starting to do is create models, again, to be able to not only say where are they in this curve, but really encourage um, folks to look at a 24-month, which a lot of times even the carriers don't look at. And so starting to think like that in a very forward-thinking way, modeling it now, even before the data is there, so that when we get it and we're in the middle of the mix, we've got various models we can turn to and look at and try to determine how we can start having those conversations. So it's really a proactive conversation that as a national team, we're going to start to have with the fully insured experience rated carriers, with our own internal groups as we talk about setting premium equivalents, with the budgeting, with the CFOs and the CEOs that need to get their budget set for next year. Because the biggest thing that I don't want to see happen that concerns me as an actuary is, you know, with the, the whole yo-yo thing where we're gonna we're gonna say we're great because we set it at a wrong time and then a year later we're gonna have to have a 20-30% increase at the wrong time. So if that how do we forecast it out over a long period of time to make sure it's consistent and makes sense for the group? Yeah, I think that's, um, that makes sense. And I, you know, it's, I think it's so important that we be thinking a little further down the road, not just about the immediate yeah. impact of potential COVID claims, but also the impact on renewals and long-term costs and um, that we're yeah. leveraging our national relationships and information to be able to um, make sure we're getting, you know, fair and accurate, renewals for our customers, which is so important, right, in all segments. Yeah. Um, so just in terms of closing thoughts from maybe both of you, you know, as, as 
if you're an employer, you know, thinking through the first, all of our customers, of course, have access to this tool and information working through their consultants to um, receive um, analysis. Um, just, you know, closing thoughts for them on what you think is most important to have on their minds um, as they uh, begin to work through this project. Sure, sure. I would say one just thought of, of clearly knowledge is power. And we have the tool and the tools available to really aid in consulting, mm-hmm. to really figure out the immediate steps now. And I would encourage everybody to take the steps, to take the action now. This is not something where it's let's wait and see what happens. And I think really to make sure we've got a good pulse on what's happening specifically where your employees are. You know, the, the, you know clearly between um, some CDC data or even some mass media, that's for the country as a whole. But you have populations and demographics that might be very different to subset of the population. So really using that immediate data to figure out what will get us through as a business the next couple of days, weeks, and even months. And then mm-hmm. further in the future, I think it's very powerful as we're using this tool uh, as a credible source to have longer-term conversations and say, you know, maybe the conservative nature of reinsurers or insurance companies will look and say, well, we don't know, so we're going to protect our risk on that end. Well, we've got a tool to look at to leverage and have a conversation that says, we're seeing data that's very different than what you're seeing in that marketplace, and we're going to measure it. So I really think it's the encouragement as to using that data short-term and long-term, but really taking action now. This is not a time to to sit back and just wait by the sidelines and and see how everything plays out. Totally agree. Yeah, I I would... I would completely agree with that statement, Bob. And I think the other thing as far as what my my closing comment, just from an actual perspective, is a little bit different. It's about the data. So we're inundated as people that watch the news, whether you watch it or you're listening or you're watching on social media with a lot of the, I call it the chicken little, the sky is falling type, type things. And I would say just be very, very careful of the source of the data, simply because there are a lot of people that are coming out with estimates and models. And just like Bob said, it really, you need to take the time to sit back and say, how does this apply to me, to where I live, to what my community is doing, mm-hmm. to what I have control over? Because the, you have no control over what Italy is doing and what even part people across the country are doing, but you have control in your own community. You have control to understand where you are to make that difference um, within your own self. And so I would say, you know, let's watch the CDC. Let's all be very aware of what numbers they're coming up with and their projections and all of that, because that is an important part of where we are. But at the same time, it's even more critical now that we understand what's going on within ourselves, within our own areas where we're shopping, where we're living, how to communicate with our own employees. And you can have that conversation once you see, all right, well, this particular risk where they're at, it's a little bit better. Or, you know, reach out and ask your consultant what what they're seeing around this. It's just the data is there, but we have to be very careful about what we're doing with it and the source from which we're gathering our insights. Great point. I I totally agree. And I will say um, what has been helpful for me in working with customers related to this modeling tool is to be able to have specific um, trusted information that allows me or my teams as consultants to be able to help employers plan and to, um, you know, to move forward with um, a plan of action that's going to work for their business. And so, uh, obviously, we're risk managers. So, you know, the importance of planning is incredibly important to all of us. But I would, I would just, um, I would close by thanking um, Bob and Mikkel, both of you, 
um, for your insights and information and all of your hard work in getting this together. Um, obviously, thank everyone who joined us today. Um, we hope that we've been able to provide actionable advice and please remember to connect with your one digital consultant who can help you put what you heard today into action and we'll be able to um, help you work through you know, the, the data that we need in getting this kind of information into your hands and also help with the planning that comes from having this kind of information. Um, now that each employer advisory session will be available on demand, please be sure to visit the Coronavirus Advisory Hub regularly. You can view the latest session translating the coronavirus situation for employers so that you can be proactive in developing um, your business planning strategies. Stay healthy, stay connected with your family, friends, and coworkers, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. There's never been a time more than now during which our commitment to standing as one with our customers and providing peace of mind is more important. We are committed to providing the guidance you need to make complex decisions even in the most challenging times. For additional resources, thought leadership, or for the latest employer information related to the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit onedigital.com forward slash coronavirus. Thank you.